For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Listening to The Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEM. Uh, always a pleasure to delve into the world of sports media week in, week out with Sam Duncan, course leader of the sports degrees at Holmes Glen. Upskill your career, learn more, do more at Holmes Glen. Plenty to talk about with our man, Sam. Hello, mate. G'day, Sam. How are you going? Uh, really well. Hey, let's start with the uh, AFL media rights. Uh, Jake Nile reporting in The Age recently that Seven and Foxtel are still the preferred option of those or some of those within the AFL. There's been reports that Channel 10, Paramount Plus, could come in with a $3 billion offer. So if that's the case, doesn't highest bidder win or is it not that simple? Well, it often does, Sam. I mean, it's hard to reject big money. There's no doubt about that. So the more you offer, the more it puts you in the box seat, undoubtedly. But it doesn't always happen that way. And I was interested in that report to hear that a lot of the presentations that had taken place thus far were not so much about the money, but more what the the broadcasters and streamers could offer. And, and you know, there has been recent examples from around the world of the highest bidder actually losing. For example, ESPN just recently won the Formula One uh, media rights over in the US and paid somewhere between 75 and $90 million for that per year. But Amazon, in the meantime, had offered more, around $100 million, yet Amazon were not successful. So there's other things that the sporting organisations will look for. You know, they're looking at the way in which these media organisations are engaging or can engage the, the audience, how they interact with them, how many people they reach, their subscription numbers. They might even be looking at the, you know, the package of, of free-to-air games versus you know, games behind a paywall. For example, if 10 and Paramount won but said, hey, we're only going to show the Friday night game free-to-air... Uh, then that might make them less desirable. So they'll also be looking at shows that are built around the product. So there's a lot more to it than just highest bidder wins, but saying in saying all that, um, money talks. Uh, it certainly does. Uh, it'll be fascinating to see how this plays out. It, it, it's it, Obviously, people are talking about it being a legacy piece uh, for Gil McLaughlin, but it's also uh, much more than that. It's, it's setting up the future of the game for the next five to six years. It's uh, as crucial as anything uh, that the game deals with. Um, speaking of TV rights, cricket. What is going on from your point of view between Cricket Australia and their free-to-air partner, Channel 7, uh, court proceedings have been launched fed, in the federal court by Channel 7 uh, looking to terminate the six-year deal, which has got two seasons left to run. What is happening here, Sam? Yeah, this is a really strange one. I mean, just from a stakeholder engagement and management perspective, Sam, this is odd. I mean, one of your biggest, if not your biggest stakeholder. I mean, sporting organisations always will talk about fans and players no doubt about that. But when you've got a stakeholder that basically bankrolls your game, then it's in your best interest to keep them on board. Um, and clearly that hasn't happened here. Now, the key to these partnerships is that both media organisation and sporting organisation want to feel like they're getting bang for their buck. You know, like, how good is this? For the money we're paying, we're recouping um, even more. 
Uh, that's clearly not happening with Channel 7. They don't believe that Cricket Australia are pulling their weight, basically, in terms of making the, the Big Bash a better product. Now, they bought that back in 2019 for much more than Channel 10 did five years previously. Channel 10 had it for about $20 million a year, the Big Bash. And under them, and largely because of them too, it grew exponentially year upon year to be valued at around 70 to $80 million a year. Channel 7 obviously don't think that it's worth that much, and they obviously don't think Cricket Australia are adequately planning to uh, improve the product, and so they've said enough's enough. We're going to court. Now, I'm not a media lawyer, um, so I don't know the outcome, but if this happens, it's likely that we'll already be into the season coming up, so it might be more to do with the season after, but it, it it is a bizarre situation. That's another watch this space because that's got huge ramifications on the landscape of of cricket and and the broadcast thereof. What about the value of a villain, Sam, before we finish up? So Nick Kyrgios has just recently called himself one of the most important players in the game, despite never winning a Grand Slam. So is he one of the most important players in tennis? He's through to the quarterfinals of Wimbledon. What's his impact and what's his value from a, a TV, from a media, from a marketing and PR perspective? So we saw that Channel 9 made the decision to leave our highest-ranked Australian singles player, Alex Demonor, last night uh, with the game in the balance to broadcast Nick Kyrgios. So the value of the villain, what is it? Yeah. Well, it, well, it's massive. I mean, in sport, there are villains everywhere, and there always has been. And if you go back and look through the history of sports writing even, editors would tell their sports writers to add jazz, you know, to dramatise their writing, to entertain readers, because people go to sport to be entertained, and then they pick up the paper to be entertained again. And within that, they would cultivate heroes and they would cast villains. That's what the theatre of sport is. And so historically, they've played a really important role in sport. They get people thinking. Now, at the moment, and talking, and at the moment, um, you know, Nick Kyrgios is doing his best to be, you know, public enemy number one. Uh, and he's got people talking. You, you can, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to do some commentary around the Australian Open um, every year for AO Radio, and it draws international commentators, obviously, from around the globe who are equally as fascinated by him as what locals are and talk about him as much as we do. And you wouldn't find a tournament director around the world that wouldn't give him a wild card because they know... Um, that he's going to draw people to screens, he's going to bring them through the gates, he's going to uh, attract a swarm of media and people who don't usually talk about media, uh, about tennis, are going to be talking about it. So he's worth a lot from that perspective. On the flip side, a lot of traditionalists say, well, what are you willing to sacrifice um, for entertainment? You know, what about behavioural expectations um, and conventions that surround the game of tennis. So, you know, that's a debate that can rage on, but villains have always been an important part of sport. Sam, always a pleasure, mate. We'll speak to you next week. Good on you, Sam. Speak to you then. Study sports, business, health, or building and construction. Apply now. Learn more. Do more at Holmes Glen. We'll wrap up the sporting capital after this.
Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.